0: Hi, I'm Kanika, and you're listening to That's Total Mom Sense, the podcast where I interview public figures on their life lessons in parenting, legacy, and built in sixth sense. Hey, what's up? I'm Kelly Rowland, and you're checking out That's Total Mom Sense. Hi, this is Chelsea Clinton, and my experience on That's Total Mom Sense was fantastic. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story. Thank you to my guests, brand partners, community, and you for making this show possible. Episodes release every Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can join my tribe by logging on to thatstotalmomsense.com and by following me on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram at Kanika Chajda Gupta. Now let's dive in to today's episode. This episode has been brought to you by Skin by Dr. Simran Sethi. Dr. Sethi is an internal medicine doctor with over 17 years of experience treating patients on a clinical and aesthetic level. Her skincare line is created for women of color, and as a South Asian American, Dr. Sethi strives to solve their most common skin concerns and bring out their skin's natural radiance so they feel even more beautiful, glowing, and confident. I personally have done numerous treatments to treat acne scarring and hyperpigmentation and especially love the brightening system, which includes an Ultra Glow Moisturizer, Vita C Restore Serum, Hyaluronic Pump and Protect, and Skin Renewal Polish and Mask. I also love the retinol lipid complex, which is a highly potent, rich and gentle 0.5% retinol and glycolipid combination that promotes long-term skin renewal and diminishes fine lines, wrinkles, dark spots, and overall dull and patchy skin. Heal your skin from the inside out. Log on to Skin by Dr. Sethi s-e-t-h-i.com and use my promo code MOMSENDS20 to receive 20% off at checkout. That's MOMSENDS20 at com. As a South Asian American and woman of color, I've personally found it to be very difficult to find skincare treatments and products that are safe and effective and have done a ton of research and trial and error over the years. From my teens when I had acne-prone skin, I've been on deoxycycline, minocycline, which actually turned my skin blue, I'm not kidding. Accutane, and in my 20s and 30s, have done numerous in-office procedures including microdermabrasion, Fraxel laser, chemical peels like VI, glycolic and lactic acid, and have been using Retin-A before and after my pregnancies. I can't tell you how honored I am to have industry expert, Dr. Simran Sethi, join me on the show today. We're going to be talking about her journey and how she went from internal medicine to skincare and how we can take care of our melanated skin and the best way to achieve long lasting results. We're also gonna be debunking beauty myths, talking Ayurveda and nutrition, and how to stick to simple morning and evening skincare routines. Dr. Simran Sethi, MD, MBA, has two decades of experience treating patients on a clinical and aesthetic level. She has cultivated her skincare line by focusing on both how the skin is impacted from the inside and out. Her line of products called Skin by Dr. Simran Sethi includes her signature brightening, hydrating, and acne-combating systems, featuring ingredients like glycolic acid, hyaluronic acid, green tea extracts, vitamin C, and retinol. Her MetaSpa's Renew MD Wellness are located around the San Francisco Bay Area, And because she's so one-on-one with her patients, you have got to listen to her podcast, The Skin Report, where she uncovers trends and gives advice to her listeners each week. She also happens to be a mom of three. So we're going to talk about her parenting journey too. Dr. Sethi, welcome to That's Total Mom Sense. Thank you so much. It's a joy to have you here. I can't wait to dive in. I was uh, really enjoying your summary of your journey. So, so yes, I can't wait to dive into that too. Thank you. Well, let's start with your childhood. I feel like we have something in common. We're both South Asian and of Punjabi descent. Oh, what was it like growing up for you? Well, you know,
1: my parents migrated to the United States and I was the oldest of five kids. You know, when you're the oldest, you're meant to be an example to your siblings and your parents are probably a little stricter with you than they are with the rest. And you don't realize that until your younger siblings grow up and you're like, what? You let them do that? (laughs) But we were lucky that we had family around. I grew up in the Midwest, in the St. Louis area, and there weren't a lot of
0: people who looked like me. So the small group of people who did, we were very close-knit. And are there any traditions that you had or any banju sayings or dishes that, you know, you remember fondly? Because my parents were both
1: working, we did a lot of experimenting in the kitchen by ourselves. So we had a lot of fusion. We'd mix a lot of Western ingredients or dishes with Eastern I had a tendency to mix lentils and everything. My siblings and I would eat our uh, meals in the wrong order, like breakfast for dinner and <laughs> that's versa. That's but awesome. I, I miss that. But, you know, when you grew up in the Midwest at the time that I did,
0: we adopted a lot of Western traditions, which, which was fun. Yes, 100%. And both your parents were doctors. So yes, you fun. followed in their footsteps. And I mean, I have to say, You're like any Indian parents model child because not only did you earn, um, you know, your degree in medicine, you have an MBA from Wharton too. You're just knocking it out of the park now. (laughs) No, no, you know, actually when I, when
1: I was going to start business school, my parents said, do you really
0: need to go to school for this long? Look at
1: how old you're getting. So, so
0: (laughs) (laughs) no, but that's, it's, it's amazing how you knew you wanted to change and and wanted to pivot, but let's start from your work as an internist. Did you always know you wanted to be a doctor?
1: I did. You know, I, I can't remember a time where I did not know that I wanted to be a doctor. I was just intellectually, I found medicine very intriguing so I always did know that I, I wanted to go into medicine. Again, the whole aspect of helping people, you know, if you ask any doctor why they do what they do, it's it's because they thoroughly enjoy helping people. Now, of course, at the time, I never thought that aesthetics would be any part of that because there, there wasn't such a thing. When you become a doctor, your perspective on how to help people continues to evolve. And I think that's how I
0: got into aesthetics, actually. What kind of was the inspiration behind you starting your own medispas and skincare line? So when I was practicing
1: as an internist, I'd, I'd worked in clinics, I had worked in the hospital. I personally always enjoyed beauty and skincare. And I also struggled with acne scarring. And, and when I was growing up, there, there weren't many products in general. At the time, I did not even have the concept of looking for products for my skin tone. It just didn't even occur to me because we never saw that as a, you know, at the time marketing wasn't as diverse. So when I was looking for solutions for myself, I uh, recognized how frustrating it can be. And I was going to see dermatologists who were also women, women of color, just like me, same skin tone. And it was very clear that there isn't enough information. And, and I could see from the patient's perspective, how frustrating it got. And also I got a little, I would say burnt out from the traditional practice of medicine, because in a lot of ways, I didn't always feel like my patients left the office happy. Mm. Uh, the concept of spas had, you know, there, there were quite a few spas, and I was, I had started visiting them and I thought, well, would, this would be a wonderful way to practice medicine and also continue to explore things that I'm interested in, which was medical aesthetics. You know, the first thing I always ask a patient when I see them is, what skincare are you using? And it was very interesting to see some really common trends among women of South Asian descent. There were women who had tried a lot of different medical grade lines, some more aggressive lines, and they just felt that their skin was always kind of angry, mm. They just wasn't, weren't getting, spending a lot of money and, and putting time into it, but they weren't getting where they wanted to be. And then there were people who had done that or maybe not, and they were using essentially baby skincare, Cetaphil, CeraVe, and I have nothing against those lines. It's just that... You know, you can temporarily use them, but they're, you're not getting any active ingredients that can actually help your skin rejuvenate. So so it was very clear that there was a lot of confusion in that area. And, and I, I think that's really what inspired me.
0: You know, we all know that the skin is the largest organ of the body and the skin and its derivatives So it's our hair, nails, sweat, and oil glands. That's what makes up what I learned, the integumentary system. And one of the main functions is protection. It's like a misnomer to think skincare is part of beauty. It's actually a necessity because it's how we can protect ourselves from, you know, outside agents and bacteria and chemicals, right? Exactly.
1: And that's actually where a lot of the frustrations and bad experiments happen on South Asian skin because... Pigment or excess or abnormal pigmentation is our biggest problem, but we're so lucky that we have the kind of melanin that we do. So so there are two types of melanin. When you have a darker skin tone, you have more of something called eumelanin. And eumelanin is very effective at blocking the collagen damaging effects of UV radiation. To do that, you create more pigment. And if there's any inflammation or breakage in skin, the skin tries to protect you and creates more pigmentation. So a lot of the skincare practices or beauty practices for women or people of South Asian, East Asian descent come from locking melanin production mm. or, or breaking melanin. That may mean using acids or or things that actually increase inflammation or break the skin barrier. So it is fighting the skin's defensive mechanisms. Bleaching creams or creams that are only directed at melanin reduction don't support all the other excellent things that your skin has to provide for you. In my skincare line, that's one of the big things is I do educate people about using a system of skincare. One product's not gonna do it all, unfortunately, just because you know, you're know you expecting this one or two drops of one product to deliver all these active ingredients into your skin and do all these functions. And up to now, we don't have one that does that.
0: Right, right. I love that you brought this up because we grew up in a culture where we all know what fair and lovely is. And, you know, brightening, bleaching, this fairness cream industry is actually an $8 billion industry. In fact, a a friend of mine, Nina Davaluri, who was a former Miss America, she's joining me on the show in a few months. She did a whole documentary on this called Complexion. It hits so close to home. I think it's so important that you shed light on how these melanin blockers are actually counterintuitive and they make your skin go into like a melanin overdrive. And so it's not healthy. No, it's not. And going back to when we were growing
1: up, my grandmother would visit us periodically. I, I, she would be floored to see what happens to us when we spend time around a swimming pool. And yeah.
0: uh, but yeah, they're the bike- like, don't get dark.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's right. But, uh, but, you know, using skin bleaches or really harsh exfoliants is something that a lot of people of color are marketed to do. And that's when you see the excess pigmentation, the unevenness, the dullness, and skin just, just your skin literally doesn't feel happy.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, we have to be mindful that it's it's not that innocuous. Um, because I remember this takes it back, but I was in like fifth or sixth grade. And being Indian, I think, you know, we also, many of us are hairy and our hair shows. And mm-hmm. so it's like the eyebrows, the upper lip, like we got to deal with it my mom, I convinced her, I said, okay, if I'm not allowed to wax, because I'm too young for that, like, at least I can do Jolin. And I used Jolin facial bleach um, to bleach, like the facial Mm -hmm. hair and then peach buzz. I remember in salons that we would go to, they were like, oh, do you want to just have me apply this entire Jolin bleach on your face or this shahnaz bleach on your face and i thought fine you know what's the big deal i I feel like that's something that we can touch on too that like it's not just the creams sometimes we use a bleach for as as a means for covering up hair um, and hair not removal but you know and and that's not good either
1: no, it's not. You know the the way bleach works is it's it's an acid. It's hypochloride acid, and its job is to dissolve things. So it dissolves our skin barrier. So the superficial layer of our skin, the epidermis, which houses our pigment producing cells, just goes. Oh my god! I need to produce more pigment. I need to immediately protect the skin. Mm-hmm. So it, it does the opposite. You know, then the skin will turn a. It it won't even turn darker. It actually turns a darker brown, grayish, um, yes. looking, mm-hmm. you know, especially in patches. And and that's because it's, it's abnormal production of melanin and, and bleach is so heavily used in South Asian culture.
0: Yeah. So then I guess as a solution to that, opt for waxing or or laser because laser technology right. has advanced, right? And our, our skin tone can handle it. It certainly has. You know, laser hair removal
1: technology has advanced so much in the last few decades. Regardless, it's important to know what laser hair removal machine you're using and the operator's experience. You know, if you walk into a laser hair removal clinic and everyone sitting in the waiting room is not your skin tone, then, you know, you need to ask them what their experience is with your skin type and, and tone, because it does make a difference. And laser hair removal, yes, very gentle on the skin. Skin and, and honestly, waxing is actually quite safe. Threading is quite safe. But if you were to wax continuously, you're just putting, you know, you're just pulling on your skin so much. And there are people who even after threading or waxing will break out, you know, you don't ever see that with laser. So it's a very safe way. It's an investment, but but certainly something that can easily be done.
0: Yes, we've come a long way. I mean, I remember back in the day, it was either creams, waxing, uh, threading, and then electrolysis. I don't think anyone does electrolysis as commonly now.
1: No, no, it's, yeah, because it's, it, it's, it's pretty labor intensive and, and mm-hmm. it's, it's, it can be painful unless they have things like polycystic ovarian syndrome and they're just not responding, then yes. But I, I would say 99% of the people doing any kind of hair removal with a device or laser
0: for the millennials who are listening, I think the majority of us have been prescribed some sort of oral medication when we had acne in our teens or maybe even adult years. You know, I know I've personally been on Accutane and I know so many people who have. What are your thoughts on Accutane? Well, you know, I I do think that Accutane is very
1: powerful. However, your skin is going to get really dry. And I see a lot of young kids and and men and women who are prescribed Accutane, but they're not given any guidance on skincare or they're asked to use skincare that maybe is a little too occlusive on the skin. So it's petroleum jelly or or Vaseline. And so I think that Accutane, along with good hydrating, lipid-rich skincare is excellent. But mm-hmm. if you have less severe acne, there are other things that monthly facials with a medical grade facialist and and you know proper skincare makes
0: such a big difference. Yes, one hundred percent. And now I wanted to have like a personal consult, if you will. Um, of course, <laughs> I'm so excited for this. You know, I've been doing peels for a very very long time um, since my my twenties. I feel like right out of college is when I started doing you know microdermabrasion or just a variety of peels and i want to share one scenario that was pretty recent it was march of 2020 and we had just embarked on lockdown and didn't even know what it was so i was like yay i have 2 weeks off and a friend who is an aesthetician i called her up and i said can you send me an at home peel that i can do so i tried the perfect derma peel I essentially burned my skin off and had uh, given myself hyperpigmentation. And I feel like many of us have made these Fumbles because you just want to do it on your own and it turns into this botched experience. And you're like, oh my God, why did I do that? But afterwards, I met with a local dermatologist, Dr. Janine Downey, who gave me Sispera. And before that, like a concoction of hydroquinone for a couple of weeks. And then that made everything subside. You know, for many of us, hyperpigmentation is like our number one concern and maybe a close second is like the residual acne scars. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I have. So what would you say is a good treatment plan for? Yes. Yeah, so let's just start with like something everyone can do, which is
1: skincare. So hydroquinone has been around for a while and hydroquinone essentially is a pharmaceutical and it reduces uh, melanin production. the only problem is that you can't use it indefinitely. You can only use hydroquinone for a short period of time, and then you have to stop using it. When when you're trying to clear hyperpigmentation, the first thing, the thing that's most important, honestly, is building back your skin barrier. And retinol actually is a big, is an excellent way to increase your skin cell turnover to erase pigmentation. And Mm -hmm. it'll also help your skin barrier but if you've used retinol in the past or tretinoin you probably remember that it makes your skin get very dry and 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 you know you're just flaking all the time and the skin may also look kind of uneven and dull that's actually what inspired me to create my retinol it's a medium grade 0.5% retinol but it is combined with lipids so when you apply it it actually looks like an oil That is going to help build your skin barrier while you're doing all that skin cell turnover so you can actually use it and not look uneven. But retinol is a great way to reduce pigmentation. The other thing is maybe also using some chemical exfoliants like glycolic acid and lactic acid, but not every day. So a few times a week. That also kind of helps slough off dullness. And then... Last but not least, having more botanical skin calming or lightening agents. And when when I say lightening, they reduce abnormal melanocyte production, not going into overdrive. So things like bearberry extract, arbutin, tranexamic acid, we're seeing that more in skincare now, azelaic acid, these are all sort of kojic acid. These are all botanicals that help with uh, just sort of evening out pigmentation.
0: What about from a procedure standpoint? You know, do you go for peels? Do you go for laser? I generally don't like peels
1: very much just because in our skin tone, if you want a lot of results from peels, then you're not going to be able to use the very deep peels, Mm -hmm. which are, you know, usually have, you know, the perfect derma peel that you were talking about has some phenols in it. So peels, I I would consider something that you would use for just sort sort of light maintenance. But for more results like acne scar reduction, anti-aging, pigment reduction, uh, post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation reduction, I like to use microneedling or PicoSure laser. And when I say PicoSure laser, I, I, you know, I'm specifically pointed out because as you know, you've done a few laser treatments before. There's so many lasers in the industry. They have different brand names. They're different device categories. And it's really confusing. And there are some lasers that are just very dangerous for our skin tone. So when I talk on a podcast or educate any patients, I always specifically talk about Pico short laser, which is a picosecond laser. Our melanocytes like to protect us. So when the skin is treated with heat or light, which is what traditionally lasers emit, our skin's response is to create more melanin to protect it. Picosure lasers or picosecond lasers are different because they emit energy and it goes through your skin so fast that it doesn't have the time to turn into heat or light. Mm. And it uses vibrational pressure waves to break your dermis, which is where you build all your collagen. So it kind of blasts it, which triggers a um response of building new skin new collagen so it's safely entering your skin not exposing it to heat or light and it's creating a controlled injury for you to make new skin so it's an excellent solution for acne scar reduction pigmentation reduction fine lines wrinkles
0: and i and i use it extensively in all three offices how do we know that it is picoSure wherever we are because, you know, some of the metaspas that I've been to, they have Fraxel, fractional CO2, mm-hmm. intracell. like the, Like you said, it's just this whole like you're lost in all the different brand names. And it's like, this one's from Europe and this one's local. And just, it's so, so yeah, confusing. Yeah, no, it is. It is really confusing. So it, I'm so glad you asked asked that.
1: And there's knockoffs. You know, there are places that will say they have PicoSure laser and yet it's, it's that's not what it is. Yeah. But um, if you ever want to check to see if a laser actually is, a provider actually has the laser you are interested in. So for example PicoShore, go to picoshore.com mm-hmm. and there'll be a button there that says find a provider and oh wow uh, and yeah put in your zip code or the zip code that you're in and and you know you 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 should see your um, provider's clinic pop up in that list so then then you know that they actually have the laser that they're advertising
0: okay and when we go into a medispa especially if we are um, bipoc and you know a person of color what should we ask the med spa aestheticians during our consultation. You know, how
1: many people with My Skin Tone do you treat? Have you treated this particular condition for people with My Skin Tone? And and of course, ask for some before and afters, you know, follow them on their social media, look at, you know, what kind of pictures they're posting because, you know, there are providers who have PicoSure laser, but they only have the vast majority of their client base is skin type one through three. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're probably seeing a lot more fine lines wrinkles versus someone who is largely seeing people of South, East Asian, Hispanic, African-American descent. They're going to have, with the same device, a completely different experience.
0: Yes, yes. You know what? I did make a call this week to a med spa I go to, and I asked them if they had this laser. And they said, oh, are you calling for tattoo removal? It's like no, Yeah, so so
1: picosure also does tattoo removal. It's a it's a different lens that is used for that, and that might mean that they use it heavily
0: for tattoo removal, but not as uh, as much for skin rejuvenation. And tell us um, roughly what is the cost and how many sessions. Mm-hmm. So roughly,
1: picosure laser can cost anywhere from seven hundred and fifty dollars to thousand dollars per session. In my practice, we charge eight hundred and fifty dollars. If you come in and you say, hey, I am looking to reduce pigmentation from old acne scars. I will always start you on a series of at least four sessions. They're spread one month apart each. And that's because when you look at all the clinical trials for PicoShore, you'll see that patients have gone through anywhere from four to six sessions. But I found that four sessions seems to be a nice sweet spot where we can really start seeing full turnover of your skin. With each session, think about it as, think of it as 25% 25% of your skin is turning to new skin. But these changes are happening at the dermis, so in the, your deeper layer. So when you've cycled through a full four session series, you literally have a new layer of skin. And now we know, okay, what your response has been and what we can now continue to do or maintain with.
0: That's so interesting. I love it. And then the downtime is just a few days or? No, actually, you know, sure is very easy to do. And, and so it's something
1: like microneedling too. You're you're going to be a little pink right after the procedure. And literally within the first 30 minutes, that's com- going to calm down significantly. And you're going to look like you had a little bit of a sunburn. The next day or two, your, your skin is going to look a tad bit uneven. You will probably notice it, but people around you won't. A few days later, you'll wake up in the morning and you're going to look at your skin and it's going to feel nice and smooth and and very bright. So it has literally no downtime. I can't wait to try. I've met a lot of people who've done clear and brilliant Fraxel lasers. And when they try the PicoSure, they're they're really surprised.
0: That's amazing. And then now if we can talk about acne-prone skin and teens and how, you know, you kind of help medicate them when they have hormonal or cystic acne. I had acne as a teenager and even as an early college student, and they would
1: always say, oh, just, just leave it alone. It's going to go away. (laughs) Well, yeah, eventually it will go away, but it will leave behind some really stubborn scarring and pigmentation, right? So I really encourage parents to step away from that mindset because there are so many things you can do now to address acne early so that your children don't have acne scarring and post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. The hormonal changes, we can't change very much because of course, when, when kids are going through puberty, they are going through these huge hormonal changes. But I think one thing is that It is hard for them to stick to a regimen. So what I found that's very effective for not only my children, but I see actually quite a few teenagers in my practice is take them to an esthetician, a medical grade esthetician who usually will be in a medical spa, get them on a regimen of monthly facials She will likely be very good at educating them about use of skin care. Starting retinol at an early age is very, very safe and it's very effective. But again, retinol increases skin cell turnover. So getting them into a facialist every month to do a microdermabrasion, you know, really get that extra dead skin off their skin, also extract and things like that. Excellent um thing to start you know in your teens as early as 13 or 12 whenever your child is starting to show acne and again retinol can be safely used oral you know accutane is a consideration really if it's it's more severe acne and again, uh, sunblock, you know, a lot of kids don't use sunblock or, or think that it's 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 cumbersome, but it, it does save your skin from the extra post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation that you get with acne,
0: especially in our skin tone. Right, 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 right. You know, what's your take on girls taking birth control to kind of manage?
1: I would say birth control is really only
0: effective if they have a lot of acne and irregular
1: periods. Uh, so yeah. girls, if if girls have pretty regular periods or they've taken birth control for irregular periods, but their acne and excess hair growth are still not responding, then they. I, I prefer using a medication called spironolactone. And spironolactone is a medication that we normally use for heart health. But what it does, it just lowers the amount of testosterone. That the body is producing, and it is very effective in controlling hormonal acne. So I actually usually will go to that first if the patient is not experiencing um, irregularities in her periods. Mm-hmm. Birth control tends to—I I find birth controls is not the best at acne control. Honestly, it's it's better at correcting your periods and cycles.
0: Yeah, I love that you say that because sure, it's a nice supplement if necessary, but like, let's use the medication for what it's, you know, primary problem that it's solving. Right. And it's not something
1: they have to be on for, exactly. Like let's use the right medication for, for the problem. And and they don't have to be on it for the rest of their life. You know, these hormonal surges they're having are are temporary also. So typically what I will try and do is let's use your spironolactone for like a year and a half then take you off of it and see how you're doing. Now in that year and a half though, let's start doing your facials, use proper skincare, really just build your skin back
0: and, and then you can kind of successfully get off that spironolactone as well. That makes sense. Great. Um, and now let's do some myth busting. Should we be using retinol starting in our 20s? Oh, absolutely. I think
1: retinol is one of the best inventions in aesthetics and and it can be safely used in um your 20s and your teens and onwards and and you know indefinitely for the rest of your life i I can, at this point in my practice, I can look at a person for the first time and, you know, if I look at their age and I look at their face, I can tell that they've used retinol. It it makes such a difference.
0: Oh, I love that. And then I guess, barring pregnancies, that's the only time you should be. But what is the difference between a retinol versus a retinoid?
1: Retinoid is sort of the category of vitamin A derivatives. Mm-hmm. And retinol, tretinoin are are the most commonly used ones. Retinol is actually a precursor to tretinoin. So okay. that's why it's not as strong when you know you apply it to the skin. But that doesn't mean that it's not doing the same thing tretinoin is doing. So that's usually a a misconception. A lot of people think that they should be on tretinoin or 1% tretinoin because it's making them peel. So it's definitely doing a much better job. Retinol will convert to tretinoin in your skin and it'll save you from all that inflammation that tretinoin typically causes. You don't have to experience that unhappy six to eight weeks of retinol usage to get effect from it. A lot of studies have been done that have compared retinol versus tretinoin, you know, the 0.5% versus 1% and all of that. And the effects are actually the same, minus the
0: inflammation. That's great. Yeah, I remember you saying that on the skin report that 0. 0.5 is enough.
1: Mm-hmm, absolutely.
0: Um, that's great. And what about cleansing brushes like a Clarisonic? Is it too abrasive or is it Okay. I
1: actually am not a fan of the Clarisonic or or any cleansing brushes or cleansing towels. You know, that mechanical abrasion that happens with a cleansing brush, especially if you do it a few times a week or every day, can just be too aggressive on your skin barrier. It'll physically create micro tears. So instead, using a cleanser that has maybe a light chemical exfoliant or or just, just very light you know, particles, tiny particles is a lot gentler and effective. And it actually really gets into your pores, right? Your pores are so microscopic. Mm -hmm. The bristles of the brush honestly can't even really get into them. You are better off not using one, or if you have one, maybe use it once a week.
0: Yes. I'm with you. I feel like I've spoken to another dermatologist about that and she said it results in broken capillaries. Just no. What about your take on dermaplaning? dermaplaning I think that
1: dermaplaning is a um, very safe way to just sort of you know kind of polish the skin because your dermaplaning is essentially a a more glorified way of shaving your face but on a more regular basis you can really um, you know minus the hair removal your, your skin can look very polished if if you use every other night or something a you know a mechanical exfoliant like something that has small particles. So, you know, you don't necessarily have to be comfortable with dermaplaning. And, and, you know, it, it, I think dermaplaning effects are mostly related to rem- removing the peach fuzz from your face, but it, it's safe, it's effective. So I have nothing against it. What about derma rolling? It's such a TikTok and Instagram hit, but it is, I, I think it is so dangerous for the skin. You know, a derma roller looks like a lint roller with spikes on it. And what they're trying to do is break, make little breaks in your skin to induce collagen production. But your collagen production happens in your dermis, which is very deep. And to enter your dermis, you have to break your skin barrier, get into your epidermis where we make our pigment. They can't get to the dermis because to get into a dermis, it's very painful. So you can't possibly afflict that level of pain on your skin with a derma roller. These little spikes go into your epidermis, where they do guess what? They they will make your melanin go crazy. And so we have such an increased chance of post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation and scarring that happens with the derma ruler. Instead, you know, go into a medical professional, get
0: a proper microneedling procedure done. So much more effective and safe. And and tell us about that. I mean, the Kardashians made the vampire facial, you know, just kind of go viral. What is it about microneedling? Is it legit?
1: It it totally is. And you know, some of our earliest studies about from microneedling that are decades old, they actually come from Africa. Excellent and safe choices for skin of color, but but microneedling essentially makes controlled breaks or injuries into the skin to induce collagen production. So, you know, it's just stimulating collagen production, but it's doing it in a controlled fashion where it's not going to make your skin make that extra imbalanced amount of melanin. And the vampire facial where you might do a microneedling procedure, but then you also, you draw the person's blood and spin it in a centrifuge to isolate your plasma, which is very rich in growth factors and apply it into the skin, that just sort of ramps up the collagen building effects. And it actually also helps quieten down your pigment-producing cells. So, so it's 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 a great treatment.
0: Yeah, no, I've done it before and I love it. And it makes sense. It's the, it's the platelet-rich plasma, PRP, mm-hmm. which just helps heal the skin because- it's it, does, it does, it does. It concentrates all your growth
1: factors and yeah. delivers them into your dermis.
0: Exactly, exactly. And now let's dive into your skin line, which is a so, so exciting. Congratulations on launching that.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's it's something I'm very passionate about. And, and I'm fortunate that I had the years of experience working with people with my skin tone and skin issues to be able to sort of develop it.
0: So tell us about, you know, the range of products to start. Uh, you
1: know, I have cleansers, some exfoliants serums sunblock but i also have a retinol in it and you know one of the things about skincare is that it's very overwhelming Mm -hmm. and one thing i learned from my own journey and looking at what my children buy because of course they are always on tiktok and they're always using my credit card to buy skincare from other lines get out (laughs) i can't believe that (laughs) but then if it doesn't work they always offer it to me too so i think that's really sweet i'm like yeah Things I, I will use your teenage cleansing cream, sure. Right. But <laughs> There's a lot of duplication in our steps. It's very common to see someone using a cleanser which has an exfoliant in it, and then they're putting another exfoliant on top of that. Then they're going and putting, you know, moisturizer on with which has sunblock in it, but not enough sunblock. You know, so there's a lot of this going on. So um, my skincare line is really, um, you can, of course, buy products individually, but I also have little sets for different um, skin concerns. And I have little trios and duos that you can easily incorporate. I have a set for acne, prone skin, one for just brightening the skin, which is more for normal skin, uh, a set for dry skin. And then the Signature System, which is actually what I use, so it has a few more steps, but it's you know, it's a system that's that's great for brightening the skin, but also anti-aging.
0: That's excellent. And could you give us, you know, an ideal morning routine and evening routine with your products? Because one thing that I was surprised to know is that we can use vitamin C during the day and night just under your sunblock. I feel like once you explain this, it'll be enlightening for us what we actually have to do as far as steps in our morning and evening routine.
1: So so basically, our, our skin care steps have to follow our skin renewal cycle. And the morning routine is going to look a little different than the evening routine. But the first thing is you should always wash your face in the morning with a cleanser. You know, there is a trend to not use a cleanser and just wash with water. And I know people, usually people tend to do that if they have dry skin, but At night, we're actively building all the cells in our body, including our skin. So when we wake up, we actually have a layer of sort of like dead old skin sitting on our skin that we do need to wash off. So now you washed up all, washed off all that debris, dead skin cells of your skin. So now your skin is ready to take in all the good stuff. So the active ingredients. So a serum with some sort of antioxidant. So my vitamin C serum is actually a THD vitamin C. It's not an L-ascorbic acid vitamin C which mm-hmm. means it's not acidic. So, you know, it doesn't feel like you're putting a lemon on your face, <laughs> which if you've used a 20% percent l asorbic acid, you may have experienced. And it is eight times stronger than a 20% L-sorbic acid, but it's not acidic. So it, it matches our skin's pH. So, but anyway, an antioxidant serum, so cleanse, antioxidant serum. So vitamin C is one of them. I also have a vitamin E and a, a green tea serum, depending on your skin concern. And then after that, a moisturizer. Moisturizer is great for any skin type, but if you have greasy skin, then, you know, I know sometimes people get a little, you know, wary of putting moisturizer on, but but you can safely put a hydrating moisturizer on. And if you have dry skin, you know, there are more lipid-rich moisturizers that you can use. And then after that, this is an important step that I think a lot of people don't recognize is that we're warm-bodied, so we're constantly losing our moisture. Think about when you wear a moisturizer and then just a few hours later, don't you feel like your skin's dry again? Yeah. Or if you have oily skin, you washed your skin, you know, you put a serum on and then literally a few hours later, your skin is oily all
0: over. Yeah. Your T-zone's
1: like shimmering again. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Exactly. And that's because we're just losing all this water and moisture in the air because we're warmer than our environment. And in oily skin, we're doing the same, but we but oil producers then will counteract that by just making more oil. So mm-hmm. the way to balance oil production and not to lose the moisture from your skin if you have dry or normal skin is to apply a hyaluronic acid serum above your regular moisturizer. So my hyaluronic acid serum is actually in all the skincare stacks because it's a combination of not only hyaluronic acid, but something called snow mushroom extract. Which is actually even stronger than hyaluronic acid, and its job is essentially to just nicely block that moisture, so your skin looks really
0: balanced and it looks dewy and plump, not oily or or dry. That's excellent. And do you have a favorite product? I know it's it's hard to choose, but maybe one that's like, oh my god, I'm low on this because I I use it all the time.
1: I I would say my favorite product is our retinol. Just sinks into your skin, and your skin just looks dewy and plump. And a lot of my patients will tell me that, you know, I applied this retinol and the next day my skin looks so vibrant. And I'm sure it's not really the retinol acting that fast. It's it's, it's probably the lipids in it, but Mm -hmm. I would say that's my favorite.
0: And now I want to switch gears and talk a little bit about your parenting journey. You are a mom of three. What was your motherhood experience like, you know, when you had your first? My first child, my daughter, was
1: born four months before I started medical school. Yes, and and you know the the saying, it takes a village to raise your kids. So I was very fortunate because I, I had to really rely on this village. My mother-in-law, my father-in-law, my sister, my parents, they all did so much to allow us to be able to, because my, my husband was actually a surgery resident when I was a medical student. So we had no money and, and time. And had this baby. And we had this baby, yeah. but you know what? I think that for any mother, um, I, I don't think there's ever honestly like a best time to have your children. And no matter what, you you make it happen and you make it work. But I will say that when I had my children, I was always rush, 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 rush. And and until I had my third one, I, I actually had my third daughter when I was in residency. And I took a one uh, one year break because mm-hmm. I just felt like, with my other two, I just felt like time had just, just, you know, it just just flew and I just never had a chance to kind of enjoy them as much. Yeah. So I'm so happy that I was able to do that. And because when people tell you enjoy them when they're
0: little, they're not lying. (laughs) Yes, it's true. It's true. And I'm so glad you gave yourself that, that pause. Um, Yeah. you know, it's very difficult
1: to do that because you know, you always think that you're going to miss out on something if you take
0: that pause in your career, but that's not true. Yes, no, absolutely. And then what about your your other two, kind of what phase of life were you in when you had them? So my kids are very used to going to activities
1: or, or play date or, or, or a pediatrician's office where I have a book with me because I'm studying for boards or I'm studying <laughs> for the past or this but, you know, I feel like they were like my companions on that journey and and some habits have been instilled into them. You know, we've learned efficiency. So I, I think I, looking back, I wouldn't have it any other way. And, 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 you know, honestly, I don't think our lives are any busier when we're out of school either. So you, you just learn to become more efficient when you have your kids, no matter if you're a student or you're,
0: you know, you have a career already. And what do you admire most about them? I'm sure they all have taught you along the way, too.
1: They they have I think
0: I think my oldest
1: I do admire how calm she can be in every situation and and she's always very positive so I, I really admire that about her and my son I would say is more like me he he really has a big heart and he's sandwiched in between two girls no matter what he does he's wrong yes yeah but
0: he,
1: <laughs> he he tolerates them which is which I really do admire because I don't know if I could, if I was him. Yeah. Girls are a lot. <laughs> they, they, they are They're You know, they're, they're a good mix of, of kind and conniving because right. they'll, they'll, at the end of the deal, they'll, they'll make you do what they want you to do. Um, and then, and the younger one, you know, she's fun. She's, she's quite, she's quite the hybrid of the two. It's very interesting to also see parts of your personality and your husband's personality in your children as they grow.
0: Oh, I find that so fascinating. I mean, they're like a mirror to us sometimes. And you're like, oh my God, I I can see myself doing that when I was a kid. Yep, exactly. Um, Tell us about a mom sense moment you had. And this is something I love to ask all my guests where it's a time where you trusted your intuition, that sixth sense that we have, and said, this is what I feel is the right thing to do. Uh, When my
1: oldest was making decisions about which college she should go to. That She had the option of going to a, a lot more higher ranking college on the East Coast. But, you know, we live on the West Coast or one that was not ranked as high, but was in California, you know, in L.A. And, and we're in the San Francisco area. And all her friends told her, her counselor told her, oh well, oh, obviously you should go to the one that's higher ranked but just knowing her and how attached she was to her siblings and her family and just when we took her and how she was interacting on the campus at the visit you know we told her just you know forget what everybody says and what the us news and world report says <laughs> you should go to the school that's you you know she thrived there so and i I've, I've seen uh, some friends of hers and my other children you know do the opposite and 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 sometimes it doesn't work for them so i think so there's so much external noise and you have to just see what's right for your child, forget rankings and let them do what's comfortable for them and grow at the rate that is comfortable for them,
0: also. That's beautiful. I'm getting choked up thinking about it because I can't imagine my kids in college right now. But yeah, I just I, I think it's it's so so important because they are their own individuals um with their own drive and aspirations and how how can we steer them in a direction they they already know where they need to be
1: and if they take some time to figure it out it's okay Uh, when you go to a social event and, and all your uh, friends and your parents and your uncles and aunts are asking you what your child is majoring in or where they're going to school. And, and, and sometimes, you know, those insecurities that we have, well, not sometimes, all the time will be very visible to the, to your child. Yes. Yeah. So you as a parent also have to be very cognizant of that and, and just, you know, support them all the way. Is there a quote that you live by? You know, uh, there is a quote by by Pele, which was, you know, in the, while you're pursuing perfection, you will still achieve greatness. It's it's nice to be perfect, but <laughs> probably impossible to achieve. It's unattainable too. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, if you try it, you will still be excellent. And, and that's great. So, so if, I, I told that to my kids when they're, when I asked them why they cannot make their bed in the morning, but. <laughs> yes.
0: <you know. laughs> Oh, that's wonderful. And lastly, where can my listeners find you, your medispas, your line? Yeah, so there's a few ways of finding me. Of course, if, if you are on Instagram,
1: you can find me on Skin by Dr. Sethi or Renew MD Wellness underscore beauty. And then the skin report, I also have a podcast, which is called the skin report. Of course, it's available on Spotify, Apple, wherever you, you know, normally listen to podcasts. And if you're interested in medical spa treatments, even if you're not in the Bay Area and just want to learn about what are safe treatments, if you're a person of South Asian or East Asian descent, go to renewmdwellness.com. And I write a lot of blogs and, and you'll every treatment um, we do in our offices, is curated for our skin tone. So if you're just trying to get educated about those things, check out our website.
0: Thank you, Dr. Sethi, you're extraordinary. And I'm so glad we had this chat Thank today. Thank you. Isn't Dr. Simran Sethi just incredible? I love how she gave such tangible takeaways for us. And it was something that really resonated because she too is of South Asian descent and a person of color. And I've been on my own personal journey trying to find the best treatments and products and knowing which ingredients are safe for my melanated skin. And she put all of my fears at ease um, and explained everything so well. So I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Dr. Satie is extending the audience an exclusive offer. Use my code MOMSENSE20 when you log on to her website. Skin by Dr. Sethi, seth com, And you'll receive 20% off your purchase. So that's MomSense20. Thank you so much, Dr. Sethi. I am loving my signature uh, skincare line and the retinol. It really does wonders on the skin and as you said, you can start retinols in your teens if need be Um, and it's something that can really carry you through, barring your pregnancies and nursing, but I am loving it. As always, you can subscribe and rate and review That's Total Mom Sense wherever you listen to podcasts. We are everywhere. And your reviews and feedback really help with the algorithms and I love hearing from you. So definitely do that if you haven't already. And you can email me at thattotalmomsense at gmail.com. We read every single email and are so glad to have you in our tribe. Dr. Sethi and I did an IG live after show. So check that conversation out too. It's different from what we did in the interview. And we talked about um, Ayurveda and nutrition, like should I be eating fried food? And does that contribute to acne? So if you're curious about that, just visit my Instagram handle at Kanika Gupta. You can write to me at that momsense at gmail.com. We reply to all your messages and are just thrilled to see you in our inbox. As always, trust your mom sense and dad sense. Stay strong, super parents. I'll see you next time. That's total mom sense.